Well, good morning and thank you so much for your warm welcome to Dolby and to the parish. As a family, we've been blown away by your hospitality and generosity to us as we've settled in. Over the next couple of weeks, I hope we can share a bit of our story with you from the pulpit, but also as we get to meet you and learn more of your story. I was born in Africa, and while I was baptised Anglican, we didn't get to church growing up. We moved from country to country a lot, and as kids we played up in church services, so we stopped going. It wasn't until I was about 14 years old and going through puberty blues that I started to think much about Jesus. I was trying to figure out life, and I didn't think I believed in God, so strangely, I decided to pick up a Bible and read it cover to cover so that I could learn the rules for how to be a good person and leave the God stuff behind. Fortunately, someone encouraged me to start my reading with the Gospels, and what I found there was not a bunch of rules, but a person, Jesus. I was so impressed by the person and character of Jesus that I kept reading the Bible every night. Jesus cared for people like no one I'd ever met. He fed the hungry, healed the sick, and had taught with such wisdom that one night I couldn't take it anymore. I put my Bible on my chest and thought, Jesus, I don't know who you are, but I want to follow you. It was then I realized that I hadn't found God. Jesus had found me. In our reading today, a man is found out by Jesus. Jesus has been teaching and healing, but one day, in chapter 8, verse 22, he takes his disciples across the Sea of Galilee. On his way, he calms the storm, and his disciples are amazed what Jesus' power over the wind and waves can do. And so they ask, in verse 25, who is this? Our reading today gives us the answer, as Jesus and his mates sail to the shores of the Gerasenes on one side of Galilee. What you need to know about this area is that it was occupied by Roman legions who oppressed the people mercilessly. Roman legions were groups of around 4,000 soldiers stationed at a local garrison whose job, <coughs> whose job it was to control the local people by force. Often soldiers would force local people to carry their packs, they would steal their crops and possessions, and they would even abuse them. What we also need to know is that the people who lived here had mixed backgrounds. Some towns were Jewish, but a lot were not. And the place where Jesus steps ashore was not a Jewish area. Jews avoided contact with all sorts of people because, the, because, the thought that, because the, they thought that it would make them unclean. Non-Jews, sick people, disabled people, or as we see in our reading, people who were demon-possessed were untouchables and respectable Jews wouldn't go near them. Nowadays, we don't meet too many people who we would class as demon-possessed, but that doesn't mean that these things, that things don't still possess us today. I once worked in a school boarding house where the majority of our boys certainly wouldn't have classed themselves as spiritual. One night before knocking off, I did a regular check to make sure all students were in their beds. One was missing, Ben. Ben was from Malaysia and was often bullied because he wasn't good at sports or academics or anything the kids thought worthwhile. He was a sensitive kid who was often alone. So off I went across the dark school campus looking for Ben. 
going around a pitch-black corner, I heard whimpering and a blood-curdling cackle. As my eyes adjusted to the darkness, there was Ben with his head in his hands. He was obviously distressed, so I said a little prayer for guidance and sat down with him. Ben was muttering to himself in a voice I'd never heard him use before, and I felt that if I touched him, he would react. So I kept sitting and praying, and as I did, he began to calm. Finally, Ben got to a point where he spoke to me, and I was able to talk him down and call for help, and we got Ben back to the boarding house. Thankfully, there were a number of mature Christian guys on our staff team who cared for Ben and prayed for him throughout the night, and in the morning, Ben was himself again. Now, while I'm not saying every person who has been through hardship or has personal issues is demon-possessed, I am saying that that night, something deeply spiritual was happening. Jesus meets a similarly troubled man in our reading. In verse 27, we read that for a long time this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. The man approaches Jesus and Tom Wright literally translates what he says as, You and me, Jesus, you and me, he yelled at the top of his voice. What is it with you and me, you son of the most high God? Don't torture me. Please, please don't torment me. There is a spiritual showdown between Jesus and the power that has taken over this man. What's fascinating here is that while the disciples don't know who Jesus is, the demons call him the son of the most high God. They know Jesus' power. And when Jesus learns their name, we are given a window into this man's spiritual state. Legion, for we are many. It's a powerful and deeply evil force that Jesus is up against. But all of a sudden, it's begging him for mercy. They beg him not to cast them into the abyss. This could refer to Revelation 20, where the, all forces which oppose God and his work are thrown into the lake of fire or somewhere else. But ultimately, they are only postponing their destruction. They beg to be cast into nearby pigs. Jesus surprisingly agrees, and the pigs rush down a cliff and drown themselves. It's at this point that our animal rights radar gets triggered, and lots of people ask, why did Jesus kill those innocent pigs? It's here that Aussie theologian Leon Morris points out the obvious. Can anyone seriously hold that the pigs should have been saved and the man left unsaved, he writes. It is also to be remembered that Jesus neither sent the demons into the pigs, he did no more than give them permission, nor the pigs into the lake. The text does not say that he willed the destruction of the pigs. Ultimately, the violent behavior of the pigs is an indication of what was going on inside this man. Through Jesus, he is saved, freed, and when a mob of locals come to Jesus, they meet their local demoniac fully dressed and in his right mind. Sadly, rather than ask this miracle worker to stay, the people are afraid. And so they do what they did to the demon-possessed man. They ask Jesus to leave. Jesus does as they ask. But as he gets into his boat, the man who he has freed asks him to come with him. Up to this point, Jesus has been calling disciples to come and follow him. And has been gathering a following. 
But rather than do this, rather than do as the man asks, Jesus commands him, go, return home and tell how much God has done for you. This man is to be a living testimony to his people of the power of God. He will remind the people of the power of Jesus and of all they rejected and sent away. He does exactly this, and in so doing, he carries on Jesus' work and sends out his first missionary. So friends, what does this passage have to do with us today? Is it an encouragement for us to go out and try to exercise the first person we assume has demons in them? No. I think there is a much simpler application in this text that's ready to drop into our laps. It's vital that we recognize that Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee simply to find one traumatized man and set him free. Jesus liberates this man and says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. This encounter with Jesus gives this man a story, a testimony to share. Jesus gives the man an emphatic him an emphatic and continuous command to go into the world and share his story with everyone he meets. If you're yet to encounter Jesus, then you're in the right place, and I'd love to meet you and pray for you after the service. But if you have encountered Jesus, if you do know him, then you have a testimony to share. Jesus hasn't just freed us from a pack of demons. Jesus has died for us and saved us from sin and death. Our command is to remember that two-thirds of God is go. Go wherever God sends us this week. It might be to the place in our community where there is the most pain and suffering and fear and possession, like the tombs where Jesus goes to find this man. You might have a call to go somewhere else. But it's more likely that Jesus' call for you is the same as that given to the demon-possessed man. Go back into your community. Go back into your neighborhood. Go to your school, your workplace, your farm, your community group, and tell those you meet there about what God has done in your life. You don't need a radical off-the-wall demon story. All you need is to be you. And to share the story God has given you. So this week, remember, two-thirds of God is go. After the service and over this week, I want to encourage you to talk through two questions with someone. Firstly, what kind of things possess people today in my community? And second, what sort of things has Jesus set me free from in my life? And as you go with those questions in your mind and heart, let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for this community. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to go, to go out into the world and share all that God has done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.